But uh, we have these brochures like this out in the vestibule. And it's reading the Bible through in one year. And it says, thy word uh, is true from the beginning. And it says at the top, Bible reading enriches any day. And the first letters in each one of those words, Bible reading enriches any day, is B-R-E-A-D, bread. It spells out bread. And, of course, we know that the word of God is the bread of life. We, Jesus even mentioned that in the fourth chapter of Matthew. And if you, when you open it up here, it has the month, January, February, March, April, May. It goes all the way through to December here at the end. And it, then it gives uh, each day, day one, two, three of January, for instance, and how many chapters to read, Genesis 1 through 3 and Psalms 1. Now, if you, any of you want to do this, you can read the Bible through in one year. It's a wonderful uh, pattern for devotion. And this is the time of the year to start right now. If you, if you have not started on this, you're only five days behind. That's not very far. And you can catch up, you know, and uh, be, pick up an extra, uh, extra chapter in the, in the Bible, uh, starting in the book of Genesis, pick it up each day until you catch up and so forth. But it's a very good way to read the Bible through. You'll be enriched by it. And you can plan a devotion. And if you have not established this in your life, it's a wonderful thing to establish a devotion time. Say, this is the time I'm going to read my Bible, and then I'm going to have prayer. I'm going to pray, just me and God. And, uh, and then you can pray five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever time you want, and then read your Bible with it. Praise the Lord. Uh, I, my, my problem that I have a lot of times is that I'll start reading those chapters and I'll get, I'll say, wow, that's interesting. And I'll start running references on it. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm really uh, checking out the scriptures that I'm reading, which is an interesting factor. But I still try to read those Bibles through. So this is what it is. It's what it looks like. Let me look, put it right there. And uh, if you'd like to get one out front, uh, I think that's automatic focus. And that's the wrong one. I'm doing it wrong. Take that off. Uh, zoom. Here we go. There we go. That's the automatic. And that's what it looks like. So if you'd like to get one, I'm just saying this is a good time to get started if you want to establish a good devotional system. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I want you to turn with me to Matthew 16. And uh, I want to read a few verses to you, and then I'm going to announce my subject to you here that I'm going to start on here this morning. This is the first Sunday in, uh, in, in the year. And if you look with me in Matthew 16, 2, look at this very closely. And I'm going to teach on the subjects here in the next few weeks here, signs of the end time, signs of the end time. There are things that are happening in the world today. And I want you to know what's going on and, and what, what it means to us here today. So if you look with us uh, in Matthew 16, 2, Jesus says that he answered and said unto them, Jesus answered and said unto the Pharisees, Sadducees, who he's talking to. He said, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be a foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, and he's talking here, of course, to the Sadducees, Pharisees, as I just said. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, 
But can ye not discern the signs of the time? The signs of the time. And uh, my our objective here is to teach on the signs of the time that we are looking at in these last days. Uh, going to Matthew 13, we're in 16 there. This goes back three chapters. Got back to Matthew 13 and 11. And this is sort of letting us know, we who are Christians and serve God, the advantage it is to walk with God and serve the Lord in the day and hour in which we are living. It says this, I'm reading 13, 11, 13, 11. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given, you being those disciples of Christ. But I think verse uh, 10 says, and the disciples came and said unto him, speaketh out of them in parables and so forth. So he's speaking to his disciples here. Verse 12, for whosoever hath to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. If you've got your Bibles there right in there, faith. If you've got faith to believe in Jesus Christ, your faith will grow as you serve God. If you don't have faith, it'll be taken away. If you've got just a little faith and you don't exercise it, it'll, it'll, it will diminish. So the Lord is saying that here. If you have that faith... Uh, to be given to you and more abundantly. And then it goes on to say in verse 13, therefore speak I to them in parables, that is to those Pharisees and Sadducees, to parables, because they seeing see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. So the Lord was sort of giving that to them and telling them, but because of you and your walk with God, God is allowing you, that is the disciples of Christ to understand. So because we serve the Lord, God helps us to understand some things. So I want to get into some things here and talk to you a little bit about what's happening. I think all of us knows, know right now that there's a lot of trouble happening in the Middle East. And uh, this past week, just a few days ago, uh, there was a, the top general of the Iranian army was killed by our military over there in Iraq. Now this is this is strange because this is the top military general in Iran. What's he doing in Iraq? We also know that he they uh, they attacked the U.S. embassy uh, in Iraq before this all happened. Of course, our president he didn't he didn't he didn't pull no punches. He went after him and took him out. And of course, they got so, such sophisticated. Warfare today, he just took him out with a drone and they even knew what coat he was wearing whenever they assassinated him. I mean, they, they knew who, which, where he was sitting in the car and everything. So I'm just trying to tell you here today that this is getting to be a very sophisticated uh, area, world that we live in. And the military is on the cutting edge of all of this. But these things prompt things so that the leader now of Iraq, uh, Iran rather, has declared war on the U.S. in a measure. He has just said that we're going to get even, we're going to get back. The irony is that this same general that they took out uh, just a week ago, he tried to do an explosive in New York City. He tried to blow up some things in New York City, and they were able to catch it, defuse it, and we never heard about that, but this general was the one that was behind that. 
That was one of the reasons they, they went after him, too. Also, he's responsible for several hundred American lives that he's taken over there along the way here and there. And, and besides those that he's, they've lost their arms or legs or something in roadside bombings and so forth. I'm just trying to tell you here that it, the trouble is brewing. I'm not trying to say anything about it, where it's going to go. But I will tell you this, that the trouble in the Middle East will continue to brew. And I want to show you some things in Bible prophecy that has prophesied that there's going to be a coming together of three of the countries in the Middle East. It's been brewing. It's already pronounced in the Bible. It's already laid out in the Bible. And it is the country of Iran, Iraq, and Syria. Those three will be united together. Now, Syria and Iran are very much uh they are very much uh, together on these things. Let me see if I can find a map here. Syria and Iran. Uh, I've got all kind of stuff here. Let me get to it. Let me show you this map up here. And let me get a focus, a better, better focus again. All right. If you can see that, I know this is this is a lot of an ancient language here. Let me just explain it to you here. But this is Egypt down over in here. Can you see that? I guess my shadow is there. This is all Egypt in here. This is Palestine right in here, this little small area. The Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee right in here. And uh, this is Jordan. This is Syria. Notice the size of Syria. This is where a lot of trouble has brewed. This is Iraq in here. Along here's the river. And this is Iran, uh, which is today. This was once the, this is Persia, used to be the media Persian Empire. This was the old ancient Babylonian Empire here. And so here's Iraq. All what's in red is the country of Iraq. And uh, Iran is mentioned over here, Iran. And then, of course, Turkey is modern-day language for what these old nations were back then. Now, the reason I'm showing you that is because the Bible prophesied way back there in the book of Daniel that in time, that in the last days, these three nations would be united. This is what Iran wants. Syria is very much in Iran's favor. They are together on most of their political views. Iraq stands in their way. Iraq stands in the way of that. And they want Iraq to come under their domain so they can tie these three together for various reasons. One is that Iran produces a lot of oil and they could put a pipeline across here and then ship it out over here into the Mediterranean Sea and save a lot of time in traveling rather than going down through the Persian Gulf and so forth. And so that's just one factor. Another factor is that they know that they can put more pressure on Israel here. Little Israel stands right here, and Syria threatens Israel. Uh, Iran threatens Israel, and if they can unite all of this, they can put a greater threat on Israel. So many factions are involved in what's going on today. But the irony of it all is that all of this was prophesied way back in the Old Testament. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. And give you some scriptures here concerning it. Now, I want you to turn with me to uh, the 24th chapter of Matthew. I'm going to start with Jesus' teachings about 
the end time. So if you'll turn with us to Matthew chapter 24 for a moment, let me talk to you and show you some things here. This is where Jesus was asked by his disciples uh, what happened about the temple being destroyed and so forth. He said, one stone should be left upon another. And uh, 24.3, I'll pick it up there. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be? That's the destruction of the temple. And, uh, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? They knew he said, I'm going to go away. And when I go away, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. He had promised them that. And so what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world or the end of the age. That is the age of, the, of, uh, of Israel being scattered and uh, all the things that's coming on the earth. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Notice that. And then he talks a little bit more about things that's going to be happening and so forth. And then I jump down to verse 14. Now, I'm going to be jumping from different down to other scriptures because that'd be extensive reading if I didn't do that. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Then shall the end come. So Jesus was saying here in Matthew that the gospel is going to preach. Now, that's where we are today. The gospel has been preached in all the world. We know that. It's still being preached in all the world. Uh, how, how much of all the world has been complete? How much is 100%? I don't know. Only God knows that. And so the gospel is going to be preached in all the world. Then the Lord is going to come. Uh, there may be more of the time of the coming of the Lord hinging on what we as a church do in this world than, than we know about. That was going to be preached in all the world. If it's not preached in all the world, God will delay his coming. So I'll leave it there. I'm not going to get into that any, with any depth, but anyhow, something to consider. Now, while we're there in Matthew, and we're in Matthew 24, look at verse 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. This is, of course, as we know of as being the rapture of the church. I'll remind you here that he just got through saying here that the gospel shall be preached in all the world. Then shall the end come. Jumped a little bit ahead and describing now the coming of the Lord. He shall send his angels, verse 31, and with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds of him, one end of the other. Verse 32, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. In other words, there are signs that you know that summer is near by looking at the fig tree, nothing else. Incidentally, the fig tree and everything is a type of Israel. I won't get into that either. But look at verse 33. I'm going to move on here. So likewise, ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. In other words, the coming of the Lord back for his, for his church, gathering them together. Now, look at verse 36. But of the, that day and hour knoweth no man, 
No, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Nobody knows when the rapture will take place. Now, there's a scripture in Hosea 6, 2. I won't, I won't, uh, 6, 2, we can, if you'll put it on screen, we can look at it. Uh, Isaiah, I mean, Hosea 6, 2. It talks about Israel being scattered. So after two days, will he revive us? Speaking of Israel. This is Hosea back in the old time. After two days, in the third day, he will raise us up. We shall live in his sight. This is speaking of Israel. Israel has been scattered for 2,000 years. The Bible says the day with the Lord is a 1,000 years. And a 1,000 years is one day. He told uh, Adam and Eve in the day that ye eat of this fruit, ye shall surely die. Not a 24-hour day. That was a dispensation day. Adam died at the age of uh, 930 years. So he lived within a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. So after two days, will he revive us? Well, it's been now, this is the year two, this is 2020, right? And we're into the third day, if you know what I'm talking about. You understand what I'm saying here? So I'm just trying to say Hosea 6 2 gives us a little bit of an idea here about the time uh, which we're living and what's where we are at this point. Now, I'm going to show this map up here. This is a timeline map. It shows you uh, just home homespun um, grown here. This is the Old Testament here, 4,000 years from Adam to Calvary. And uh, this is the 4,000 year period of the Old Testament. The New Testament is this period of here. We know that from, from Calvary to now, uh, we're close to about, uh, this is 20, I think Jesus would have been crucified in the year of uh, uh, 27 to 30, 33, somewhere in that area, AD, and we're in 2020 now. So I'm just showing you here that the 2,000 years here is just about elapsed. This represents the church age, the seven churches that are spoken of in Revelation chapters 2, 3, and 4, and the candlestick representing that. So this is the church age. Jesus ascended into heaven, says, as you see me go away, so shall he come again. The angel said that. He's coming back now. So he'll come back from the skies. And we know that the rapture is coming. And this is the charge just saying the rapture is here. This is about 2,000 year period. And we are about where this arrow is here. Just before the coming of the Lord. We don't know where, when, how long. No man knows the day nor the hour coming of the Son of Man. That's why when men start trying to set a date, even a year, trying to set a time that Jesus is coming back, they're usually always wrong. Well, he hasn't come yet, so everybody that's set one, and we've gone through that, they've all wrong. I've heard 86, I've heard 88, I've heard 89, I've heard the year 2000, you know, I've heard 2001. I heard, I've heard all kinds of dates. Hey, listen, when I was a young man attending Bible college, you know, in my... Uh, early, late teens and early 20s. When I was a young man, I used to drive across the Mississippi River sometime on the bridge going from St. Paul uh, over to Minneapolis. I'd drive across the big old sign there, Jesus is coming on October the 31st or something like that. <laughs> I used to see it. That's way back there. October 31st, Jesus has got a big billboard. I'd drive and I'd go, you know, I'd, maybe I was working over there and I'd drive across that bridge every day. Then it'd say, Jesus is coming in November the 18th. <laughs> they changed the date, went from October the 18th. I saw that sign change, I don't know how many times. Finally, they just took it down because the Lord wasn't coming. Nobody knows. Everybody agree with me. Nobody knows. It just says, be ready. For nobody knows. And the fact that we don't know 
the Bible says in, the, in a time that we know not, the Lord will come. Now, let me move on here a little further. I'm going to read this 36 verse again here in Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my father only. For as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. As the days of Noah. And here's what he's talking about. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, life was going on like it always had. It seemed like nothing was there. There was no interruption. You know, it, that's, this is why that most Bible scholars agree that it will not happen during the tribulation period. During the tribulation period, the world is upside down in a evil, terrible calamities happening and so forth. But this describes the coming of the Lord as being a time when everybody is just eating and drinking. That means everything's doing, going good. Eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Everything's rocking along as it was until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Verse 38. Verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. <clears throat> this, is a, this is a little bit, was strange to some of the past generations. They, they didn't understand how the world was uh, so big and it was round and all those kind of things. Jesus was going to come back. Two in the field, one taken, one left. Two women grinding in the mill. Two people working in the fields in the middle of the day. And two people, two women grinding in the mills the first thing in the morning. And one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know what, when the Lord comes. Another scripture says two shall be in the bed. One shall be taken, one shall be left. That's at nighttime. This is, I think, over in the book of Luke. I'm just trying to say here that when they'd read that, they say, well, when is the Lord coming? Is he coming in the morning? Is he coming in, in the middle of the day? Is he coming uh, at supper time? Is he coming in the nighttime? When is he coming? It depends on where you live in the world. You understand what I'm saying? And a guy from India pointed this out to me. He said, for years, we people in India, we didn't understand, you know, how this could be anywhere until we realized that, you know, that we were, you know, our people were more educated. We realized the world was around and wherever you are, that's what it's going to be. It can be middle of night here for us, or it can be the first thing in the morning. We do know he's going to come from the east. Hallelujah. He'll come out of the east and he'll circle the globe and the, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. And we'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. It does not yet appear how we shall be, but we know we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He had a glorified body, brighter than the noonday sun. Paul could not look at him. Brighter than the noonday sun. Noonday sun is bright. You can't look at it. Just, it'll blind you. And Paul, he, he couldn't look at Jesus. He was brighter than the noonday sun. And so he, you know, he said, he, this is how bright he was in his glorified state. So we'll have a glorified body like as under Jesus' glorified body. Folks, it's worth living for God for. Don't let anything interfere with your walk with God. We're going into a new year and there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world. There's a lot of things, crazy things happening in our country. 
There's a lot of crazy things happening all over the world and we'll see more and more of it. But be faithful to God. Walk with the Lord. Say, God, you've got me on your hands. Hallelujah. I want to stick with you. I want to stay true to you. Praise the Lord. And we may have ups and downs. You may lose your job and have to get another one. Uh, there may be sickness in the family. You know, there, there may be this or maybe that or whatever. You know, the children may act up one way or the, or the other. All kinds of things may happen. But you say, no, sir, this old fellow, I'm going to walk with God. Amen. Because when you walk with God, you bring stability to all of those that are, are connected with you. Family, friends, whoever they might be. They say, well, one thing for sure, he or she really believes the Bible. They really believe in the words of Jesus. And when they get in for that through you, praise the Lord. Amen. Can you still hear me all right? All right. So I'm just trying to point out to you here. Now, the Lord says again here at verse 42, this is, I'm still in Matthew 24, verse 42, watch therefore, <coughs> excuse me, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. He says it again in 44, therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the son of man cometh. Uh, verse this is uh, chapter 25, 13, the very next chapter in the 13th verse. Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. This is brought out here about four times. It mentions you don't know when the day or the hour is coming, so just be faithful, walk with God, serve the Lord. And Jesus tells us those things, praise the Lord, in the book of Matthew here concerning his coming. Praise the Lord. The Lord's coming and uh, he tells us that it's coming. He also warned us of something. He also warned us. I am here in the, four, 20, the 24th chapter. I'm going to go back to 24, 23. And this is a warning that Jesus gave his disciples when it comes down to the end time. He said, verse 23, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Do you know why? He said, oh, he's over here. He's, he's across the river. Oh, he's over there. He's across the, the peninsula. Oh, he's in California. No, no, no. Oh, he's over in India. You know why? Because when Jesus comes, he'll come from the east and he'll be come out and he'll come like a, the breaking of the day, you know. I'm just trying to tell you that he'll come that way. That's because he went. That's why those angels said to those disciples on the Mount of Olives when Jesus went up and he ascended into heaven. As you see him go away, so shall he also come. As you see him go, he'll come that way. He went up, he'll come back from up. Praise the Lord. And you're, if you hear, oh, Messiah's over there, Messiah's here, Messiah's there, Messiah. Hey, and I told you, I think a couple of weeks ago about this guy over, we went to Israel one time, that, that sun young moon, he's dead now. But he claimed he was the Messiah, you know, he was the Messiah. And all that kind of stuff. The guy's dead and gone on, probably spending time in hell because he's a liar and everything. The Bible says all liars shall have their place in hell. I'm not going to judge the guy. I don't do that. But I'm just trying to say here, I am just trying to say here that Jesus said that would be false Christ. And Christ means, uh, means Messiah. And uh, that's what the word Christ is, the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. And so Christ, Jesus is the Christ. And so he, Christ Jesus is our Messiah. So Jesus has come, praise the Lord. And so it says here, I'm going to read this 24th chapter, 24th verse again. 
24, 24. For there shall be false Christ, false prophets, and there should, they shall do great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, this is verse 26. Now, wherefore, if they say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Now, this is why, because in the 27th verse tells you how he will come. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Praise the Lord. Jesus will come from in that fashion. I uh, think I've told you before about uh, the <laughs> our church when it was down on Palm Bay Road, down at the east end, east end of Palm Bay Road. We were just a small church. I was down there doing some work, cleaned up in the daytime by myself. This guy comes walking off the street, walking up on the sidewalk, coming in the church, wearing a bathrobe and flip-flops. And uh, looked at him and said, hey, how are you doing? He said, uh, I'm doing fine. He said, uh, I'm Elijah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the Bible talks about Elijah coming, but that's going to be during the tribulation period, Revelation chapter 11. We'll talk about it one day because I'm going to eventually get into the book of Revelation here. Anyhow. Uh, I said, yeah, well, I, he said, I'm Elijah. I said, nice to meet you, Elijah. I'm doubting Thomas. <laughs> I'm doubting Thomas. Okay. So, uh, so he said, oh, you don't, you don't believe I'm Elijah? I said, no, no. I said, uh, when Jesus comes back, you'll come from up there. And I said, I'm looking for him, not for Elijah, because I knew that Elijah was going to come after Jesus comes back for the church. Well, anyhow, I won't get into all of that. But anyhow, uh, he went on his way down the, down the street, you know, Actually, he wanted some money, you know. <laughs> I said, look, I'll help you. I'll buy you lunch or buy you a sandwich or something, you know. I helped the guy out. <laughs> but anyhow, he went on down the street. But what I am pointing out to you here is that we're going to see, hear about all that kind of stuff. And so along the way, as we hear those things, we keep saying, no, God has got everything in control. I'm going to keep walking with God, serving the Lord and walking with the Lord. But there is coming an antichrist in the world. There is coming an antichrist. Let me uh, have you jump very quickly here from Matthew. And that was what Jesus was referring to because says he'll do uh, great secret wonders and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm going over here to, uh, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let me have you go there. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. Paul writing. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall come, except there come a falling away, that today shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. The falling away is when the church fell away uh, into the dark ages, and we are all familiar with that. And, and the son of man is revealed the son of perdition, the son of the man of sin. That's the Antichrist. Verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, he as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, wait a minute. The Antichrist is coming. There is no temple, but there will be a temple. Mark it down in your book someplace. There's going to be a temple built. The Jews feverishly want to build that temple. And so they're going to try to build it. I've got all kinds of material on it. I know they've got everything ready. They got the gold, they got the silver, they got they got even got the red heifers they need in order to make the sacrifices. They've got it all together. Uh, it's amazing. I've got all kind of books, not all kind of books, but writings on it, and, and a book or two about it as well. Anyhow, it goes on to say here that 
uh, he said that'd be a fall away. Look at verse 8. I'm still here in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8. And then shall that wicked, that word wicked is capital letters. If you've got your Bible, it, it's, it's a proper uh, pronoun. It's a proper noun, meaning it is a person, place, or thing in particular, a special one. And in this case, it's a person. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. <clears throat> All of that's described in Daniel. We'll be going to Daniel in a few minutes. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. He's going to deceive the world, folks, believe me, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. When people reject this truth, and they don't want to be saved and they push it aside and they push it back. We don't need to be saved. God will turn them over to believe the big lie that will eventually come on the earth. I'm talking about that because this is what's shaping up in the Middle East now. And I'm going to show you some things in the Bible over in the book of Daniel in a moment to help us to know that what you see over there brewing and shaping up over there has already been spoken of and prophesied in the scriptures. Uh, let me finish reading here. Look at verse 11 here. I'm looking, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. Verse 12, that they should, might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is the world that's developing today that we're living in. Folks, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your loved ones that are not saved. And just try to get them into faith. Get them into church. Praise the Lord. Get them close to Jesus, as close as you can get them. Let the Lord talk to them, deal with them. You never know, you know, what God will do between them and them. But if they continuously reject Christ, eventually they're going to lose out with the Lord in the end. Because the Lord will come back when a time that we look not for him. Let me move on very quickly here. Uh, this is also mentioned in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 13. If I can mention this for a moment, in Revelation 13, and it talks about the Antichrist and and this whole chapter 13 talks about the Antichrist. I won't get into that right now. I'll refer back to a scripture here in a few moments. But this is all about the Antichrist, and if you want to read about it sometime, he is coming on the earth, and he's coming after the church is taken away. Now, I want to go to the book of Daniel for a moment, praise the Lord, because in Daniel, there is a description here of things that begin to develop. Now, on this uh, chart I've got up there, I've got here, it's sort of a, this is where we are. This is the tribulation period. This is Armageddon right here. And after Armageddon, there's going to be a thousand years of peace on the earth. The Jews shall rule the world during that hour. And then at the end of that, there's Gog and Magog. There's a battle fault. And that's the end of the age. And after that's the white throne judgment in which all of humanity that's ever lived from the beginning of time until the end of time will all come before God to be judged, to be judged here where they will spend eternity, except the church. That's why the Bible said, no, you're not. Ye shall judge the world. The Bible says that we will sit with Christ in judgment. That's why it talks about us sitting on his throne with him. Praise the Lord. Because we will judge with Christ, we will judge humanity. Here's how we will judge humanity. Somebody says, you know, 
I lived in Palm Bay in year 2019. I'm referring to the past year now. In 2019, and uh, I worked at uh, Jones Gas Station, and nobody could live, work at Jones Gas Station with all the cursing and carrying on going around there and live for God. And I worked there, and, well, that wasn't our church, yes. Wasn't our Pentecost people, yes. But you couldn't work at that place where I worked, you know, Jones Gas Station. Well, right across the street, there was Smith's Gas Station. I'm just using names here. And here's a guy that was a Pentecostal guy in the Pentecostal church. And he worked at Smith's gas station, pumped gas every day, heard the same kind of cursing, carrying on going. I'm not saying the gas station is all cursed. I don't mean that. I'm just using that as hypothetically. But I'm just trying to say this man then will sit in judgment against the other guy. The other guy said, I couldn't have lived for God. It was impossible. This other one says, and Jesus say, this guy was there. He lived for God. And I use the example a lot about Harris. Somebody said, I couldn't live for God, you know, because I worked at Harris. And the Lord will say, well, here's somebody that worked at Harris. He lived for God. Praise the Lord. Brother, here's a guy named Petty, you know, Carl Petty. He lived, he worked at Harris. He lived for God. He served the Lord. If he did, you could have. You understand what I'm saying here? This is how we will judge the world. So we will not be at this throne to be judged. We will be that the white throne judge and we will judge. I visualized this and I've mentioned it casually speaking because it's so impressive on me in the third chapter of the book of Revelation. It says, we will walk with him in white. And I've told my family on my tombstone, if I should go before the Lord comes back at my age, that's probably the way it'll be too. Uh, well, the Lord can come back tomorrow as far as that goes. But if I should go, but that's, I want to put on that. He shall, we shall walk with him in white. You know, it's a scripture that I like because I can visualize the white throne judgment folks and all the world that's ever lived, all generations, the present, the past for thousands of years, 7,000 years it'll be, and they will all come before God standing before the Lord. And you and I, and those who have walked faithfully the Lord will walk in before that multitude of people with Christ in our white clothes. The Bible talks about that they are the clothes of the bride. And we'll be the bride of Christ and we'll walk with him in white and sit upon with him upon his throne. That's going to be a big throne, but it's okay. It's going to be a big, it's going to be a big trial. It's going to be a big day. White throne day. There'd be no, the end of it, I mean, how long it'll last is up to God. That's all his doings. And Jesus Christ will judge the world. Now, I'm telling you all of that to say, you and I have such a wonderful, special privilege in the Lord. Don't, and I said this a while ago, don't let the devil trick you out of it. Don't let nobody deceive you out of it. This is true. This is going to happen. It is real. And one of these days, we're going to see the coming of the Lord and the Lord is coming back for his church and is not very far away. Praise God. So this is uh, the end time here. And then of course, we'll be at the hell, lake of fire, the new earth, new Jerusalem, so forth. Uh, I'm going to go back here to this yellow mark. This is where Daniel lived. He lived about five to 600 years before Calvary, before Christ, I should say before zero, the zero date BC. He lived uh, between six about 625 to about uh, 520, about 530. I don't know what exactly what date, nobody knows. But he lived about 500 years before Christ. And this is about where Daniel lived. Now I'm going to go back into prophecy in the book of Daniel here. I want to show you something. 
Everybody's still with me? Where are we here? We're just about out of time, aren't we? Man, have I got some good things to give you. Praise the Lord. It's, yeah, it's 544. I'm going to get in the book of Daniel. But I just want to talk to you here about these, uh, the Lord uh, talking about these four beasts that come up out of the sea. And I'm going to talk to you about how that they represent those empires that would come upon the earth. And how that one of those empires was going to be divided into four parts. And those four parts were going to have significant place in the end time. And that's where we are today. And those four parts are still in existence and they're in the Middle East. And this thing that's happening between Iran and Iraq, which will eventually involve Syria, all of that, praise the Lord, has a lot to do with where the Antichrist is going to come from. And I'm going to show you next week, by the help of the Lord, where the Antichrist will come from, where he'll come from, what area of time. There's a lot of things that would brew into the uh, I'm going to talk to you about the, uh, about the Iranian beliefs and uh, the, the, the 12th Imam. The 12th Imam is the, is the one that they believe is going to come back. And he's going to be a sort of a false messiah for the Muslim world. That is for the Shiite Muslim world, not the Sunnis. And so anyhow, there's a lot that we're going to be looking at and a lot going on in the world. And you don't want to miss it. So I'm going to have you to invite your friends, tell them to come. And we're going to be looking at some very interesting things next week. In the meantime, make sure you get one of these brochures here on uh, the Word of God and get your devotion times really in, in tune with the Scriptures. And by the end of the year, we'll, uh, we'll see who, who has finished reading the Bible all the way through. Let's all stand together. Let's praise God. Let's glorify Him. Let's thank Him. How many love the Lord this morning? Aren't you glad for God? Jesus... Thank you for your goodness, your glory, your presence, your power, your spirit. You're so good to us, God. We thank you for all things and glorify you, Jesus, for your presence. Be with us today in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing, if you will, as our musicians, singers, and all come at this time.